Aquarius, Libra, Leo, Cancer, Ralph, Charles, Paul, Larry. Usually I say hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and、uh, welcome to this episode of the Wocast. But trying something a little bit different, you know. Week in, week out, the magnificent four, the four musketeers, join me here. But I really don't think like the intro does them justice. So I'm gonna try and like make things, as I say, a little bit switched up today. We've got in the house. Wave your hands in the air. He's a、uh, a dude that just don't care. It's Kairos Bodley. <laughs> Thank you. You're so kind. <laughs> Next up, the ladies' love. He is known to us as Pusher C because still hasn't delivered those push-ups. <laughs> He is Big C to his friends. Bay in the mail. Or to Sanga Malata, to the rest of you baying public. Yo, what's up? Lastly, <laughs> she needs no introduction. She says what she means and means what she says. It's my sister from another Mister, the infamous G. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> now I, I just, I just, I just want people to get an appreciation of what's going down here now because both you and Kairos, and that is G and Kairos, you are feeling our pain as MMA fans on this side. Of the Atlantic, you are probably bedraggled. You're probably tired. You're probably red-eyed. You're probably just on your last bit of vapor that is your breath, and that's because you just、uh, are recovering from a full night of fights. UFC Fight Night 172, or if、uh, you want to go with the hashtag UFC Fight Island One. Now that was headlined by Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige. Usually, as you know, the form is each of us brings one item to the table. This week,、uh, you know, in all seriousness, and、um, it's a bit of an unfortunate、uh, thing to bring to the table. But I just really wanted to、um, say a massive condolence to the family of Jay Shepherd. He's a Bellator vet, Contenders MMA vet, UCMMA vet. He was. Tragically murdered this past weekend, and、um, again condolences to his close family. The details are slowly emerging of his passing, and、uh, he was tragically killed. He was killed at a birthday party, his own birthday party. He was knifed to death, and、um, I'll be sharing a GoFundMe for his funeral on my Twitter page, which is Mike Wo TV. So by the time that you're listening to this. That GoFundMe for his funeral will be available if you so wish to make a contribution. But I don't know how you segue out of that in terms of contributions. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts、um, on UFC Fight Night 170. But what I'm bringing to the table as well this week is Larone the Miracle Murphy. He for me is the prospect. He for me. Lit a fire under my passion for the sport last night when he took on Ricardo Ramos. Now, I had a very very quick catch up with him just before we started recording. He was just on his way 
um, to the plane as we were speaking. So um, without further ado, before we actually go into uh, the Lerone, uh, the Miracle Murphy segment, that's what I'm calling this, um, here's the man, the myth, the miracle himself. Lerone the Miracle Murphy, what's going on my brother? What's happening bro? It's all about you, it's all about you. Congratulations on uh, an incredible and emphatic uh, first win in the uh, UFC's yeah, Octagon. Man. That's incredible to see, brother. Amazing, no, feels great, you know, to get that first one. Yeah, mate, yeah, mate. Dying for it. Still, <laughs> still unbeaten as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what are you doing now? What, what, what's, what, what's the plan for the rest of the, of, of the day? So I'm just in the airport now, um, ready to fly back to London. Your emphatic victory over Ricardo Ramos was against all odds. A lot of the odds makers um, thought you'd be in for a difficult ride. Not this particular odds maker. Well, I wouldn't describe myself as an odds maker. I had you down as a favourite in this because, I don't know, just that face-off. When you actually connected eye to eye, I know that you had, you know, the obvious mask on as well. But when you connected eye to eye when you were doing the face off did you see anything in, in his expression or in his eyes that kind of like made you think you know what you're in for a rough night <laughs> I see I seen a little twinge I seen a little twinge he like he like gooped I seen him got like gooped and I was just thinking is he I don't know I just felt something so in, in, in the lead up to this though were you looking around surveying the land in terms of what people were saying about him and how much of a difficult opponent he was for you or you don't really pay yeah. much attention to that yeah of course I've seen I've seen, I've seen a lot of things about about um, him being the Brazilian golden boy and he's, he's going to take me out and he's the favourite and stuff but I, I don't pay no notice to that stuff right Going back to those flamboyant kicks and flashes and, and basically things which, you know, kind of struck me as either trying to put you put your off in terms of rhythm or to showcase his striking prowess. What did you make of all of that? I just thought he thought I was a, lo- a lot lower calibre fighter than him. That's <laughs> why he was trying all that stuff. And mm. I just, yeah, he was just trying to trying to get a run out kind of thing I think trying to get some spe- spectacular knockout or something I don't know but <laughs> it, it, it worked against him in the end didn't it true I mean in terms of those which connected I mean I can't imagine that there was a lot of damage inflicted considering you know the, the, the significant strikes that I saw were from the flashy techniques where one of them was to kind of like flick his leg behind his other leg and connect with your calf I mean, those type of yeah, kicks, when didn't they, hurt. yeah, I thought as much. I didn't feel them. I didn't feel them. If if you threw one calf kick that I checked, that I got a bruise on on my shin, that's about it. That's the only one that hurt. But other than that, nothing connected. Yeah. Now, when when you when you think about it, you've literally returned to the scene of the crime. This was where you took on Tukogov, um in Abu Dhabi, mm. um, a, a, well, mm. quite a few months back. How or what? feeling uh, did you have in terms of um, returning to the scene of the crime was there a bit of apprehension was there more of a renewed vigour to you know uh, do something more outstanding do you know what it's a total different experience than the last time it doesn't feel like I was in the same place like really? no crowd and stuff like that um, yeah no crowd no it was, it was a bit it's different experience it was good though enjoyed it and stuff but it was a different experience 
Just in terms of the atmosphere, though, I mean, yeah, you're right. You were oh, in front of, a, of an empty arena. In terms of atmosphere, did you prefer this in terms of concentration and the ability it, it well, gave you to kind of like hone in on um, Ramos? Or did you prefer like the atmosphere, which was quite electric the last time you were there? Do you know, uh, the, the both of them, I think you can concentrate more in with 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 the no fans and listen to your corner and like concentrate. But um, with with the fans, it's more like it's more of a buzz, more adrenaline and stuff. So my point of actually uh, catching up with Lerone the Miracle Murphy was not only uh, am I high on this guy, because as you probably will all know, having listened to previous episodes, um, my guy made me eat serious crow. I thought that him being brought in um, when he first of all rocked up at the scene of the crime, which he was um, um, taking part in um, at UFC Fight Night 172, um, Yaz Island uh, several months back um, I thought Tukogov uh, was literally going to take his head off and um, no, no such thing he held his own and um, it kind of like leads me to believe and uh, from then on that this guy is a genuine prospect, this guy is a genuine contender and I wanted to put forward uh, for my point my speaking point, my talking point this week that Perhaps he needs an even stiffer test because having look at, looked at his um, previous form, his previous record, it seems to be um, and a recurring theme for him that he fights people not uh, below his calibre but above his calibre in terms of fight experience and fight IQ. He typically fights people who have a lot more fights than him. And um, I think perhaps um, given his previous two tests now he's still unbeaten uh, okay he had the draw with two gogov I-, I wanted to put forward jeremy stevens as his next opponent or even arnold allen am i really over-egging this guy am i too high on this guy am i too much of a, of, of a fanboy geeking out uh, unapologetic un- unapologetically but from what you've seen would someone like jeremy stevens provide you know a really worthwhile um, clash for him or even someone like Arnold Allen but definitely a top 15 opponent I think should be in the offing what do you guys think yeah I'd I'd I'd, I'd love to I'd love to see him fight a top 15 opponent but out of the two that you're mentioning there I'd rather him fight Jeremy Stevens because Jeremy Stevens although he's only 34 I believe he's a veteran now of nearly 50 nearly 50 fights and he doesn't seem the same to be the same fighter as he was a, a few years back, or the same fighter he was when he murdered Rafael de Sanos with an <laughs> uppercut from hell. But um, but yeah, it would be, it would be a fantastic matchup with Laurent. I'd I'd love to see it, but I'd, again, as I said, I, although I want to see him fight a top fifteen, it it might be just a bit too soon. But his body of work, I know, obviously he had the draw with Zubaira, but obviously a lot of people hold Zubaira in high regard. Yeah, it's, I think maybe one more fight before a top 15 guy. I, I agree with you. I think that this this guy is legit. I was skeptical when, when he even got into mm. the UFC at, I think, what, 7-0 and or 6-0? and I can't remember. I, I think it was 6-0, um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I was skeptical. I thought, okay, this this is a, a bit too early. It's come too soon for him. But 
in his last two outings, especially last night, I mean, he proved us he proved us yeah. wrong because technically, technically, he got two victories because he knocked out Ricardo with that elbow and woke him up. <laughs> that was that was a stoppage victory in itself. And then obviously he finished him with the brutal uh, punches and uh, ground and pound. So one more fight before top fifteen. That's my thoughts. How about you, Kyrus? Listen, I know we're, we're we're pretty low on Jeremy Stevens, and I guarantee you in the next five, ten years, every single young prospect's <laughs> highlight reel is going to have a Jeremy Stevens fight on it. But I think we need to slow it down. Oh, I think we need to slow this man. Jeremy has dropped four straight fights in a row, and they were all not pretty. Mm-hmm. And although Jeremy is struggling right now, we don't need to throw him to a guy who has, what, ten fights right now when Jeremy has almost 40? Jeremy's been in the UFC for like a decade. There's a, this is exactly what happened with Chase Hooper when he fought Alex Caceres. Everyone's like, oh, we're excited. He's like, my man, he has almost 10 times the amount of fights that you have. I don't think you need to be doing that right now. Mm-hmm. We don't need to throw these young prospects to the wolves. And I, I think he should fight the winner of Hakeem versus um, the guy that you just said. What was his name? Hakeem Dowdu's fighting. Uh, your, uh, what's his name? Yeah, Zabira. I think he should fight Zabira. the winner of that because I think it's going to yeah. be Hakeem. And then the winner of that should get a ranked opponent next, to be honest with you. Okay, G. Um, I'm 100% with Kairos. I think he should fight the winner of the... I don't want to mess up their yeah. names, Kairos. Say it again. Um, <laughs> Hakeem Dowdu <laughs> and Zuri something. Yes. <laughs> yes. Zubaira Tukov. Um, he needs to fight the winner of perhaps that fight. I don't think he's... I think Mikey needs to slow the roll with uh, fighting somebody in the top 15. And also, too, let me just throw this in the air. I was listening to um, a podcast, I can't remember, and they had an issue with um, Lerone Murphy's record. Do you guys think that he's been fighting cans prior to this? Because um, stateside, I heard a podcast kind of uh, doubt that he might win because he's a can crusher. For me, a can crusher is somebody who has had like extensive losses and you're going in there as an undefeated, um, you know, athlete. As far as I could see from his record, uh, I think there was only one person whose losses were just like, you know, just exponential. But the rest, you know, in terms of experience, in terms of cage side and in terms of uh, cage time and in terms of wins, um, well, they were they far exceeded his experience at that time so definitely I, I wouldn't put him in the can crusher category no no i wouldn't say he's a can crusher although one opponent that he did fight nathan thompson in Woo! his early uh in his early stages i think this was a fight that made there him you three go. you know yeah. he had 39 losses <laughs> oh my god that was a one yeah yeah Woo. Man, it was like oh, a dead okay, body, guys, basically. Guys, 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 let's, 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 let's be respectful of, of, of this. But not, let's not derail Come the on. hype. No, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to be, I'm going to keep this as received. No, I still exactly. think he's Give a future champion, spot. but 39 <laughs> losses. I, I I must say, I have to comment. No. It's like fighting a cadaver. Wow. How much CTE do wow. you have if you have 39 right. losses? <laughs> Your brain's... <laughs> I can't with you all this That's morning. I really cannot. <laughs> That's concerning. Are we gonna do, are we getting disrespectful today? Yeah, because like, it's early. Are we gonna be this disrespectful? early? Okay, we'll get disrespectful. This early, okay, you're laughing. You're laughing too hard that, for me, Carlos. That was disrespectful. I just wanted to know if we're getting disrespectful because I can get disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? As we are um, running short on time, I know G has got to jet off. Let's uh, perhaps segue into your segment, G. Oh, well, my segment's pretty easy. Um, My rant for the week is about the term journeyman, okay? So we all know that Kobe Covington referred to Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz as a journeyman when they fought Mm. for the BMF title. So 
Journeyman meaning a fighter that has like a lengthy MMA career, but also a lot of losses. A win some, lose some type of fighter. However, Masvidal just fought for a title and he's not a gatekeeper. In fact, if he wins a few more fights, we're going to see him fight for another title, especially since Dana White is now referring to him as a star. And we all know that UFC 251 did 1.3 million pay-per-view buys. So in my mind, he's no gatekeeper. And I don't agree with Colby's definition or label of journeyman when it applies to Masvidal. And I've seen him and his crew and his fans online Mm -hmm. kind of throw that word around with Masvidal and a few other fighters, and I simply just don't agree. So my question to all three of you is this. What is your interpretation of a journeyman? And name a UFC fighter that you think is a journeyman. Oh, we are getting disrespectful. Okay, my interpretation of a journeyman Mm -hmm. Is the guy who had thirty nine <laughs> losses? You know, that is that is a journeyman. That, that is a journeyman. Like again, I'm not, no no offense to Leron. You, you only fight who's put in front of you and like who the right. matchmakers give you and what have you. But um, the aforementioned guy, he had twenty two losses in a row. That's that's an entire career of fights <laughs> yeah. for some people. Yeah. Twenty. But yeah. Okay. But my my proper interpretation of of a journeyman or. It, it, really, it really would be just a gatekeeper, somebody who is just brought in just yeah. to make prospects and look it, good. Yeah, It's just, so like, funny you say that because I, I did some research on the word because, you know, I knew this was going to be the topic to discuss. And according to Wikipedia and like Bleacher Report and other media outlets, before Colby Covington started spewing this, said that, you know, a journeyman mm-hmm. is a gatekeeper. But somehow Kobe Covington has kind of changed that label and made it into some type of fighter that has a lengthy career but a lot of losses. And that is my issue with the term journeyman. Uh, like, I still have trouble labeling fighters with that particular label. Because how is Masvidal a gatekeeper? He just fought for the title. Exactly. And then one minute, you know what I mean? Exactly. So it's, it's hard for me to use that term. So I was like, let me ask the fellas what their interpretation of it is. And then also, who in the UFC you think is a journeyman? Because I, I think Steve, you know, who? Um, Jim, Jim Miller to me is a journeyman. Clay Guida, Joe Lozon. You know, folks like that. Like, not exactly in title contention, yeah, but, but they, they, they're, they're entertaining us with hard fights and a lot of them, you know? But every so often, Jim Miller just pulls out, pulls up a big win yeah. and shows that he's still a threat. Like I, I wouldn't say that with Clay Guida, or, yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree with what I say. I'm, I, I don't need to justify that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mike? You what see, do you think? I, I read the book Journeyman, which I'd thoroughly recommend uh, to you. It's about journeyman in boxing. It's by um, what's the guy's name. It's by Mark Turley. Now the journeyman kind of ethos and the journeyman outlook and the journeyman kind of um i suppose raison d'etre somebody who on a weekend to earn extra cash uh, basically rocks up and provides fodder for um his opponent Mm -hmm. his opponent who's on the rise typically and um his opponent who is typically a ticket seller now that was the whole kind of like uh, I suppose supposition of a journeyman and, and I think to kind of like translate that into MMA terms I see where you're going with it someone um, who looks good but again I suppose the phrase is interchangeable with uh, gatekeeper but someone like a Diego Sanchez someone like a Clay Guida looks great but you know you know they're there for entertainment value and um, I, I get where you're going with the, with the phrase but I think it's really hard to uh, apply it to something like MMA. 
in, in, yeah. in all honesty. It is. Yeah. I think agreed. that's why I'm having tr- that's why we're here discussing it because I'm having trouble applying it because it seems interchangeable. One minute somebody with like a, a lot of losses like Nate Diaz and then the next minute it applies to Masvidal, but wait a minute, he's yeah. not a gatekeeper. He's yeah. contending for the title. So it's like and I also don't like that. Not that it's being weaponized, but it's being used in a mm. disrespectful way. It's throwing it in fighters' faces. If you're going to have a lengthy career in MMA, you're going to have a lot of losses, but those losses is why you might be so damn good like Masvidal, like you learn a lot from them and you've been fighting your whole life. Mm-hmm. So how is it disrespectful that, you know, to be called a journeyman? How is it a horrible thing if you've had a lot of losses? It's it's strange to me because Nate is still, how many losses does he have? Still a needle mover. You got to pay him to fight. So how is, yeah. you know, how are these people, how is journeyman a negative connotation? But anyway, Kairos, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, you're correct. You cannot be a journeyman if you have competed for a title recently, A. B, I think also, hey, the dude you. who has 28 losses isn't a journeyman. He's just a scrub. I, I think that he ain't, he ain't no journeyman. You're a scrub and you get that many losses. <laughs> I think if you have 20 fights and 10 of them are losses, that makes you a journeyman. So I'd say like a guy like... Well, no, Charles Bennett is a scrub because he has like 82 losses and 22 wins. Mm. Uh, maybe Ian McCall is a better example. Ian McCall, he went right. from the UFC to Ryzen. He bounced around to a lot of organizations. He's like more so of a journeyman. And I don't, I don't understand why. That's a good yeah, one. I don't understand why people are going to call Jorge Masvidal mm-hmm. a journeyman when he has almost 40 wins, though. He has t- more than twice the amount of wins as he does losses. And when you have a career that's, what, two, uh, one decade, one and a half decades? Yeah. That means you're averaging one loss a year when you're fighting yeah. three times. That's uh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, and it's used to discredit the fighter, but it just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense to me. And then I'm thinking to myself, is it because I'm a purist? Like, is Colby Covington onto something? Has he, has he created a nuance or a new facet in MMA culture? Like, is there a new label for these types of fighters? I'm just not buying it. I think he's just being snide, and I think like newer fans or casuals are running away with this Correct. term. Now, if you want to discredit a oh, fighter, yeah. you can call them a journeyman. But meanwhile, then you got the nice people online that are like, hey, it just means a hardworking guy. So I'm just kind of like, what, does, what the fuck does it mean? Can we just go back to gatekeeper, title contender, and champion? Like, let's go back to that. I, I, hope, I hope it doesn't stick around because, again, as, as Kyra said, I think Masvidal's been fighting 15 or 16 years, and if you're fighting two or three or three times a year you're gonna you're gonna suffer yeah. a loss or what have you so and let's not forget some of Masvidal's losses have come against the elite of the elite so I mean you I'd I'd understand if if you could call him a journeyman yeah. if he was just losing to people who he should have no business losing to but right and then some journeymen yeah, are, I, are need I, I, movers are they journeymen if the journey because they've lost so many times is why you actually come out to watch yeah, them or the, because they're such a good fighter like nate diaz people call him a journeyman but you have to pay that man to come out because he moves the needle so is he a journeyman the journey is why you fucking like him it annoys me you know yeah it annoys me that people call him uh, oh when they try to discredit Nate, they're like, "Oh yeah, he's got eleven and twelve losses." Like after, uh, in particular, after the after the first Connor yeah. fight, people were like, "Oh yeah, yeah he's lost ten, he's lost ten times or what have you." And I'm like, "Well, he just beat the the biggest yeah. star in the sport, so he still obviously is good. So he doesn't fall into that yeah. journeyman category." You have fans so. like us butting heads with other fans, and I call them newer fans or casuals that like to throw that in your face. And mm-hmm. it's like, yo, I don't really think a fighter is a horrible fighter if they have a lot of losses. I think they've been fighting since they 
they were three, and they're going to accumulate losses. Mm. It's just it's just statistically in math. So you can take that argument and throw it out the window. Like I, I'm not with it if it's a new facet or a part of MMA culture. I'm always going to butt heads with that. I'm not feeling it. But that's my rant. Yep. Preach. Okay, guys, I'm going to go. So obviously mm. Fire Island is well and truly in full flow. We're two two events deep. I'm enjoying everything about Fire Island. I'm loving the extensive protocols the UFC have adopted to ensure fighters don't get uh, don't get or transmit COVID nineteen to anybody. In particular, the forty eight hour quarantines before and after fighters uh, arrive uh, arrive and land in uh, Yaz Island. I think that's really good. But one thing about Fire Island, which uh, which actually came to light, I think the day of uh, the event. That which has annoyed me is the fact that in throughout the build up to this, UFC president Dana White made it out as if the promotion were breaking uh, breaking the bank to acquire this uh, this lucrative and mysterious island, and it's transpired that's not the case. So the Abu Dhabi government, uh, I think it was Sports Business that reported it. The the Abu Dhabi government it's emerged that they are actually paying for the entire logistics of the four events, which includes transportation, testing, accommodation, training facilities, and catering, as well as a, a hosting fee. And uh, UFC COO, I think Lawrence Epstein confirmed this as well, and he said it's definitely a bit of both. Now, given the uh, the ongoing, and I think it's always going to be a, an issue in this sport, the ongoing issue of fight or pay, and the fact that Dana White has said that, oh yeah, we, we're spending all this money on Fire Island. We can't, we can't dish out, dish out any, uh, any pay rises. What are your thoughts on that? Mm. It's kind of disheartening. Who's gonna go first? I'm disheartened by. It. I remember a few years back, not a few years. What am I talking about? It was not a few years back. It was like a few weeks back when we were talking about Fight Island. We were joking around, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I made a slight mm. joke. I was like, they can't pay the fighters because we just spent that money on an island. And I was like. I mean, maybe that is actually logical. Now that this information has come out, it's like, no, they haven't given you that money because they don't think you're worth that money or they don't see you as someone right. worth giving that money to, which is unfortunate, which is why I have to go back and retract everything that I said about Masvidal and those guys. I'm going to do it th this week, too. Like, that man standing up for his worth is probably the best thing that's going to happen for these fighters now because all these pillars yeah. are starting to fall. You have John doing it. You have Jorge doing mm -hmm. it. Amanda's talking about never coming back. Henry Cejudo's gone. Demetrius John, you are losing some of the best fighters in the organization's history because you aren't willing yeah. to pay them. So I, I'm glad these guys are doing that because it's got to it's gotta come. And I heard from a person, I'm not going to like reveal their name, that the Venom fight deal is supposed to give them even better pay compared to the Reebok deal, but they still need to come forward and keep negotiating further. Yeah, um, I feel like um, Dana might have duped the fans a little bit with Fight Island. I think he got all the fans excited. I didn't really take that personal at all. I'm just happy that international fighters have a place to go. And then secondly, I'm loving the increased COVID mm -hmm. protocols. However, um, the humanist in me is like, wow, you guys are spending a shit ton of money on this. Why aren't you paying the fighters? So I jump, you know, on Karis's bandwagon, like I'm seeing a whole lot of production and a whole lot of work being done, but also I'm seeing fighters also noticing that and taking a stand. You see John Jones is quiet, just like what Cairo said. So it was disheartening to see all the money being spent, but then at the same time to know that you're still not paying these people. So Fight Island is pretty cool and it's convenient for the fans, but it's also a slap in the face and a reminder that 
you know, they have the money to pay these people and they're really not. And they're still trying to get away with not paying them. But, you know, so but are they, I want though? the focus to be about payment. But are, are they, though? What do you because mean? For, from all the recent reports that I've been reading is that the bulk of the expenditure has been borne by the Abu Dhabi government. The bulk of the expenditure mm. for actually putting on the event, for hosting the event, for making the event happen, has been uh, outside of UFC uh, coffers. So it, it makes me think that maybe mm. there is a little bit of consistency here in that, you know, when you look at um, the parent company for U- UFC seeking a further round of, fun- of funding, seeking further funds, that says to me that, you know, the parent company is in a, in a little bit of a, a financial need. But that is why the UFC are being so frugal with pay and the structure. But then again, let's not forget that, you know, UFC and President Dana White is the master of gaslighting. And also, yes. also, the fact is this, um, people keep on talking about pay, but this cyclical discussion keeps coming back to the fact that, it's because they're not moving as a movement, they're moving as individuals. That's why this issue will keep yes. on recurring. Yeah. Yeah. Because the individually the like the UFC can revamp someone's contract yes. like Masvidal, but yep. that didn't really help them collectively. Exactly. So when the UFC moves towards um, helping them collectively, we should see some type of change. But it's kind of like what Cairo said last week. That's probably never going to happen because it's to their benefit to just deal with a fighter one-on-one and say that this is just not... And, you know, this is just an opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, it's easier. <laughs> forget that, yeah. It is an opportunity. Yeah, it's easier to manipulate somebody individually rather than collectively. Mm. So I think we're really far from seeing that. And that's what dismays me. I... Th- I think even with Abu Dhabi taking on the cost of Fight Island, I still think they have the money to do it. I just think they're getting away with it, and they're going to continue to do so. It is beneficial for them to underpay the fighters and for them to run away with the money. So it's it's disheartening, but I still have hope that it's going to work itself out. And Masvidal did open those doors. He did it for himself, but more fighters are going to join the bandwagon, you know? Yeah, but we also can't shoot down people who want to advocate for fighting. We can't pick and choose who can be. Yes. Uh, there was yes. a person who tweeted, I believe it was Chelsea. I don't know her at, so I'm sorry. Y'all just got to tweet Chelsea mm-hmm. and hopefully you find her. But she said, y'all love to pick and choose mm-hmm. who can advocate for fighter pay. And she was referring to Paige Van Zandt uh, leading up to her fight. She was talking about how she was making a lot more money outside of the cage than she was inside the cage. So people were like, oh my God, she got such a huge push from Reebok when they first started. It's like, yeah, is, but is she wrong though? Is she wrong for saying that she wants to be paid more? No. That's why she didn't compete in the octagon. No. You know, you got Tito Ortiz. I remember he stuck his neck out there years ago. People like, he's an idiot. And he is an idiot because of the stuff he says. But he still isn't wrong for wanting more pay. Yes, that's that's a fact so you know like come on y'all no i I think it's bizarre when people do that i think there's nothing wrong with vying for more pay i might not even care for the naked videos in the kitchen with her husband but if that's how she pays her bills or if that's what she's doing to make money or to put herself out there that's what she can do and that's what she should do i advocate for that do you know what i mean and also too i'm not a hater if dana presents an opportunity to Paige van zandt that was not presented to others is it fair no that is so unfair but you can't knock Paige Van Zandt for running with it you know yep. what is she supposed to do no this isn't available <laughs> to other fighters I'm going to be fair and say no I'm going to take shitty pay and not this promotional push you can't hold her yeah. at fault for that you know when someone yeah. presents an opportunity to you and even though it's not fair you take it it's called life so I don't see why people knock other fighters for doing it and whatnot. It, it's childish 
should be taking that opportunity. Because we all know we would. We've all worked someplace and taken an opportunity and ran with it and looked back like, my bad. You know, my boss likes me. What you want me to do? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. don't expect, yeah. Yeah, don't expect Paige to act day. any differently. And I don't hold it against her, you know. Kairos, seems like okay. you're last, but by no means least. I'm glad you started off with your topic, G, about um, defining definitions, mm -hmm. specifically with journeymen. Mine is with cancel culture. I got so many questions, guys. Okay, so my question is this. Mm -hmm. We cancel someone, what's the duration? Is it based off a of severity of offense or is it subjective? All right, if we cancel someone, can they ever redeem themselves? Because we all know people grow and learn from experiences. Also, last but certainly not least, how mm -hmm. do we justify doing this to every single person? Or rather, how do we justify canceling one person for an action, but not canceling other people accordingly for the same action? Like, I'll give you an example. We wanna, we, right. we'll cancel people for using racial and homophobic slurs in the music industry. Like, I'll give you an example. This one rapper, his name's Pop Smoke. He, would, he was using a lot of homophobic slurs in, in hip hop. Mm -hmm. You can't cancel one person for using those slurs and forget about the whole rest of the genre doing it. Same, you can apply that across the boards, whatever. MMA, yeah. you could apply it to whatever you want. But we have, we have gatekeepers who are deciding who's getting banned today and who's not getting banned today. And I'm gonna be real with you. If we're gonna collectively ban everybody, then that's fine. But you can't sit here and say, nah, we want Abel Trujillo to be banned because he was doing, I don't know if I can say this on the air, but you Google what he's accused of and what he got convicted of. But then right. turn back around and have another person have a similar situation like Ergo 6ix9ine and he's back selling records, doing everything he possibly can and no one says anything about it. Mm. Yeah. Harris, you know what would help with that situation? If there was just like a, a code of ethics that was just like enforced or whatnot, we wouldn't have to worry about cancer culture because we would have structure and rules, meaning like when you say this word, you go to timeout, like you get in trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it shouldn't be us policing these fighters. There should be a code of, um, and it should be applied. You know, one minute, you know, Dana's saying that Mike Perry is out of control. Well, you've been noticed and you didn't do anything and you waited until he assaulted like three people at a restaurant. You know what I mean? If there were like rules applied or if you held them to a certain standard, perhaps we wouldn't see all this, you know, favoritism or, you know, Correct. cancel culture that you're depicting. And I, I'm, I'm always going to advocate for it. I think it cleans up the sport and makes things a bit more professional. So my answer would be like, there would be no cancel culture if the UFC would just kind of put their foot down with some of this egregious behavior we're seeing. Exactly. And I, I'm glad you brought up Mike mm -hmm. Perry there because obviously a lot of outlets, uh, and justifiably so, they, uh, they pointed out that he used, uh, used the N-word multiple. multiple times in his uh, video, which mm -hmm. multiple times, which I think it was... Uh, last week or, or tomorrow was uh, the week anniversary of it but nobody and I mean nobody said shit when Nate Diaz dropped the n-bomb in the uh, UFC yes. 244 press conference I'm pretty sure me and you looked at each other I, or yeah. I looked out for you and I was like okay and I know it's uh, in fact Mike and I messaged uh, a mm -hmm. few hours afterwards and he was like what's your take on it and I was like well I know it's part of his vernacular from when he's grown up where he's grown up he's probably grown up with black people and what have you but it's I, I don't like the use of the word whatsoever but I would have flinched uh, if a black person I, I don't used it, if they were just like yeah and word yeah I'd of course like, um sir be professional please 100%. like so it didn't yeah, yeah 100% it, it, we cringe but at the Go same ahead. time yeah yeah we cringe but at the same time there was none of this energy that was uh, towards Mike Perry's use of use of the word none of that energy was present for Nate Precisely. so 
yeah, uh, no, none of those people. Yeah, none of those people were calling for. Oh yeah, Nate should be cancelled yeah. or or what have you. I mean, yeah, as long as as you said, as you said, if there's a code of ethics and yeah. rules that strict that are strictly adhered to, then there won't be this need for this cancel yeah. culture. And we won't this, be squabbling uh, over who said this and, and who said that, and then there won't exactly. be videos of people using the N word and, and assaulting three people at a restaurant if there's just certain rules in place. And we know that these rules in place help because look at other sports. Do you see football players acting like this? No, they get fined for anything. You know, like <laughs> basketball players. You know what I'm saying? Like they do cut up. Don't get me wrong, but there's rules in place yeah. to keep people. Yeah from acting like this and we don't have that yet and I feel like the fans and, and our culture doesn't really like that type of structure they reject it they do you know but there's a part of us that likes yeah. this ratchet shit there's a part of there's a fan base in <laughs> no I'm serious I see people kind of like not yeah. wanting structure or for rules or discipline and it's not really a bad thing it's going to clean the sport up we don't have to wake up in the morning and have TMZ re- reporting on our fighters it makes us look bad. It would be nice yeah. if they did something and not wait until he assaults three people. I was taken back when Dana was like, oh, I knew the whole time he was out of control. <laughs> well, why didn't you do something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I could, When he said that, I literally had that moment in my head. I was like, so you knew about this, but you didn't, yeah. you didn't actively see. You, you waited until... Yeah. There was a consequence, a serious consequence right. of his behavior before It wasn't before a acting. red flag when, a, when I mean, a teenager, a woman that is almost a teenager, so somebody that was very young and has no training was in his corner. Nobody thought that was a red flag, but they had to go out to dinner and for him to use the N-word and to assault her friend and an old man for you to get involved. Yeah. And it's just like, Dane, if we just kind of like had a code of you know ethics or something we would we could avoid all this and just keep it moving and continue with the pandemic olympics mm-hmm. you know like we can just keep going with our fights but yeah and, and correct me if like feel free anybody to correct me if i'm wrong with this but did dana say anything about connor punching that guy in the face he the defended old guy? it he he he, 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 he must have he said something. I can't, it, off, he, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I kind of remember. He kind of was doing the whole, like, he was dealt with. The, he was arrested, not arrested, but, like, Ireland handled it. Whatever. Uh, he did yeah, one of those yeah. where it's like, hey, it's not my, you know, it was handled outside my jurisdiction. He did one of those. But he did not, like, do yeah. anything as far as the UFC, a code of conduct or anything or even... He didn't even sound like he had a problem with it. He just kept putting it off as in, that's been dealt with. And that's his way of sweeping it under yeah, the rug it, as well. Well, you, you you just wish that obviously he spoke at length, and he's obviously along with the rest of the UFC brass. They made the decision: okay, we're not going to give Mike Perry and any fights for the time being. And they say obviously it's for his mental health, which I do think to a certain extent is true. But I, it's obviously it's a suspension, it's a punishment for what for what he's done. So you'd you'd like to see such protocol implemented across the board, but. We all know that's exactly what I'm asking for. Sorry. Now, I was about to say, that's just it. Sorry to bring us all down, but let's just remember that this is a niche sport. And we seem to be having a niche mentality as well. Oh, within our collective bubble, um, things can be quickly swept under the carpet because there is a collective amnesia when it comes to the transgressions of certain people because of how they are ranked and because of how they are viewed. Now, when you look at this in the wider context, let's let's take film, for example, Kevin Spacey, household name, household ramifications, Mm -hmm. and that's why he is still cancelled because people won't forget 
what he has supposedly transgressed. Now, bring that back to MMA in terms of ramifications and in terms of what it means in the wider world. Let's, again, just to temper people's um, enthusiasm, not an awful lot when you put it in the scheme of things. I mean, again, just to bring it back to another genre, music, someone like Tim Westwood, for the longest while, um, if all the allegations are to be believed, has, um, well, has more call than anybody else in the music industry to be cancelled but for the last 25 years has remained uncancelled now that might be for another reason not just because he's a a quote-unquote household name but because of the fact that he holds the key in terms of Mm -hmm. the gate and um route into the music industry for a lot of music artists so there is a there is a almost fear Mm -hmm. of coming out against team westwood so there are certainly you know different nuances when you look at different genres but i think again we need to remember and be mindful that you know this is a niche sport and we do tend to speak and you know present company uh, accepted i have to put my hand up to this that we give special dispensation to certain fighters and certain names and we also are all mindful of the yeah. fact i've seen other outlets um, be mindful of the fact that someone like uh, Ali Abdul Aziz does hold the key to, you know, a significant amount of fighters. So, you know, up until recently, there has been some pussyfooting around um, what's been said on social media. I mean, then again, it might just be <laughs> Ali Ab- Abdul Aziz who's been putting this out there. But what I'm saying is that there hasn't been widespread condemnation or widespread <laughs> reporting when these posts go up. I suppose, in short, what I'm saying is, you know, there is a, a somewhat collective, um, well, decision, discussion uh, behind closed doors that, you know, for certain people, they can't be cancelled because, you know, they do hold the key to um, clicks and to actual reporting. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. But I I just think that but there's certain back, people, though. Like, no, go, only go, if Paris. you're a certain high enough tier, fine, perfect. You're immune to it because you hold the keys. But everybody else mm. who falls below that needs to get canceled too. I'm not saying I want to do away with cancel culture. I think it's responsible. I think it's de- definitely necessary because people are going to get away with what they can get away with. But when I see the Venezuelan vixen beating people's asses outside of bars and nobody says anything, and I yeah. see BJ Penn getting into 52 fist fights and then on the 56th one, it's like, all right, fine, now you're canceled. But Mike Perry is on a straight body street. This isn't the first time Mike Perry's knocked someone out outside the bar this isn't the second time i've seen the videos what about dustin poirier's rap career y'all want to talk about that oh no no no. y'all don't want to talk about that y'all think i forgot about that no no but these people get Uh, i'll tell you (laughs) (laughs) but those people those people are not held accountable and everyone maybe people weren't aware maybe people weren't watching the sport but i see it from the beginning to the end i'm like all right why weren't those people dragged for that I get it, they're nice people and they're doing all this stuff now. Like, Dustin's an amazing person. I'm not trying to hold him to his past. I'm sure he's grown from that. But I'm just saying it happened right. and no one did anything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's unfortunate because it's blatant favoritism sometimes. Or it's just like a recency bias or whatever. You know, oh, you know, he just had a win, so let it slide yeah. or whatnot. Or Mike Perry is so funny. I don't think the person he punched in the face thinks he's funny. And then we all saw the the warning flags. You know, when do when does the UFC intervene? 
when he brings when, out you know a confederate I mean? flag when, that's when they're gonna finally yeah like you <laughs> <laughs> it's out of control but i like i said i don't think it's ever gonna happen for a while they and they pick and choose when to enforce that little code of ethics thing it's so strange oh 100 you know you know just before we wrap up i'm keen just to get our collective views on um this forthcoming fight card this saturday figueredo versus Mm, Benavides too. Now, <laughs> you, you, you know, I had to quickly look one up. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was that was pretty slick of me, wasn't it? But what are you people but, um, for that? But I, I just wondered whether <laughs> there were any um, runners and riders who you particularly going to be looking out for. For me, it's uh, definitely the uh, because I'm on the um, Mark Dukesi. Uh, hype yeah. train. I, I can't wait yeah. for him to return yeah. to the cage. Yeah. But for anybody else, what what else are you are you looking forward to? Kairos. <laughs> no, I'm really looking forward to uh, Mark D. Casey fighting again. He 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 seems to have mm. found his groove. Obviously, he had. Uh, I do believe it was the three yeah. was it three losses in a yeah. row, or no, it was two. Yeah, it was three losses in a row. Yeah, but he he got his groove back against uh, against Joe Duffy, and then who did he beat last? It was. Uh, the guy spin it spinning kick yeah what's his name what's his name it's gonna god damn it it's infuriating me what his name is lando finato lando finato someone bring up his record anyway yeah that's it thank you thank you yeah against lando finato and his confidence just seems to have returned so i'm i'm like and a confident mark d casey's a dangerous dangerous fire yes nice to see that he has composure Mm -hmm. he's not just out there you know flashing at he's picks and yes it's nice to see him have composure and and see that growth you know i'm excited as well and we must be excited about um hermanson versus gaslam that's that's a big fight as well number seven it's a fight that matters you know somebody's gonna get bumped up somebody's gonna get bumped down Mm. and that's huge if you think about it because the person getting bumped down or up could be jack hermanson or kelvin gaslam those are two huge names so that's like it's it's i call it a fight that matters especially when closely ranked fighters are fighting each other so whoever wins gets closer to the you're taking jack you're taking jack oh you? I'm taking Jack. Yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking Jack. Yeah. Like I've said, I've said, I've said this before. Like I'm pretty sure I said this before on the podcast. I'm a big fan of Kelvin. I love him. Really, really nice guy. But if you look at his wins, the wins that, like that he's got are fighters who are towards the end of their career. Jake Ellenberger in November 2014. Michael Nate Bisping. Marquardt in June 2015. Uh, yeah, Michael Bisping, Johnny Hendricks, Tim Kennedy. Like towards like Tim Kennedy, I think was four years ago but he was towards the end of his career and then when he comes up against fighters who are uh, around the same age as him like say Chris Wyman Neil Magami Tyron Woodley uh, Israel Adesanya and Darren Till he's come up short so I mean if he's now if if now is the time for him to break that curse or break that uh, that hoodoo it definitely but for me just going off past record i'm going with jack i think kelvin gets it done you know why because um jack hermanson he he's the king of ground and pound he loves to take you down control you and beat you up like he's a Mm. strong tough guy and and he's also well-rounded fights in the pocket he's going to stay in kelvin's face however kelvin has good takedown defense and he's a great wrestler we always talk about his hands but he's pretty good at keeping the fight on the feet and he's also not afraid to go down on the ground. So, and then I feel like when Jack, when you like when he fought Jared Cannonier and he just could not, you know, implement his game plan, yep. which is ground and pound, he kind of yeah. fell apart. So I think if Kelvin can kind of be like, no, you can't take me down and beat me up, I think he falls apart again. 
Kelvin is gonna that's, decapitate that's, that's this what, man. You're you're putting it mild. Gee, I know you're trying yeah. to be respectful. We're getting disrespectful up in here. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> We're getting disrespectful. Yeah, I'm trying to be nice. He is about to one touch him. <laughs> he is about to one touch Jack badly. Everybody's still caught up on Jack beat Jacare. Guess what? That was two years ago. We're moving on. Yeah. This man. And look what happens when you can't when he can't take you to the ground. <laughs> you're about look to get Jared exposed. Said, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Karis? Did you did you uh, chime in with who you're looking forward to? two fights uh brett johns versus montel jackson because um mm, i like brett johns a lot but i'm very interested yes. in montel jackson like very 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 interested mm. i might yeah. even try and go and see him because he's in wisconsin i believe but uh him mm, and nice. the other fight is uh alejandre pantoja versus oscar askarov um, yes yes listen man war flyweight yeah. y'all can hate on it y'all can say it's hipster to like the flyweights but i actually like them so um but yeah i want to see that fight too they're gonna go to war yeah, yeah they're gonna go to war that's going to be a great My guess game. is Figueredo doesn't Figueredo don't make weight <laughs> until so? comes in. That's that's my guess. That's what, hey. If he doesn't hey, make man, weight, I'm worried. We need I'm to worried about Figueredo. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like we, you know, I'm sorry. I'm off. I'm 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 not big on cancel culture. I call it getting fired on your days off. That's what I call it. I'm old school. But if Figueredo shows up fucking not <laughs> overweight again for the second title fight yeah. uh, cancel he's gotta it. go to bantamweight and I think yeah. he's gonna win this again <laughs> yeah I think he's also gonna win this again I think it, the same thing happens he's gonna land something and Joey's going down I just think Figgy's the better fighter yeah. okay but don't get me wrong I'd love to see Benavides get the win me too it's going down as yeah, I'm just said. being honest yeah I want Joey B to get it he, you know but I think Davidson is just a better fighter and it showed in the last fight. So whether he's overnate or not, or whether he's plump on sh- in shape, he's gonna get him. But I don't know. I'm just pumped for the co-main event. I can't wait to see Kelvin back again. So nice. And what about you, Mike? What which ones did you pick? One. Oh, well, I which, picked uh, Diakazi. Did you pick D- it? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the return of Diakazi for me. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna see a, a, a measured, mature, and um, I. I Got a feeling true, we're going to see a devastating KO. That's you know, that's just <laughs> the feeling I've got in my water. Yeah, I'm looking at the early. I'm um, looking at the prelims. There's some decent stuff on here. Like Joe Duffy comes back. Uh, Brett Johns and Montel Jackson should be cool. And and Davy Ramos is always fun to mm. watch. So there's some you know there should be some fun fights on the prelim. But I, I I'm not too crazy about the prelim bouts. But should be fun. And and also don't forget guys Ariana Lipsky is coming back yeah so she, yeah and she's fighting luana carolina i think that's the woman i'm sorry i hate to say this but she does look like the walking dead and all i don't oh, know why they picked those promo oh, fights God. for her do y'all remember oh. why do they pick that photo for her why do they pick that photo it's not her fault it's the photo they pick and it's wrong ufc it's wrong okay I don't know if I've seen this. Carol, you know what I'm about. talking about you know, with this photo. I don't know what you're talking about. I ain't, co- I ain't claiming Yes, you nothing. do. You try to be nice. Mm-mm. You're not going to do this to me. <laughs> it's not her fault. I don't know why the UFC is picking that, you know, that photo for her, but I am happy that, the, what is it, the queen of violence? Is that her yeah. nickname? I'm violence happy queen. she's back. She's a lovely yeah. woman. I'm yeah, not gonna, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. She's fine, too, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, that neatly wraps up the show. That will enable G to jet off. But thank you, as yep. always. It's been a pleasure kicking it with you guys, the Four Musketeers, for the hard way. That about wraps up this episode of The Wocast. Until next time, don't make some trouble. <laughs>